Chapter 18 of The Road to Mandalay. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Marianne Hadley. The Road to Mandalay by Bithia Mary Croker. Chapter 18 The Chinese Shop. Chapter 18 The Chinese Shop. The solemn promise Mrs. Krause had made to Mrs. Millward was honorably redeemed, and a new and agreeable vista opened before Sophie Lee. Her aunt roused herself, as it were, from a long sleep. The little bay horse was recalled from Prome. A Rolls-Royce was purchased. Herr Krause signed the check without a murmur. A highly recommended Portuguese butler was engaged to undertake the heavier forms of housekeeping and Mrs. Krause once more re-entered society, figuratively leading by the hand a lovely niece, of whom she was unaffectedly proud, and who, she imparted to her friends, had given her a new interest in life. Hitherto, she declared, she had felt like a flower that was withering for the lack of sun. Now Sophia supplied the sunshine. Sophie was endowed with a personality that inspired happiness, and looked on the world as the abode of joy. And so at last pretty Miss Lee tasted the delights of the Gymkhana Club, and took part in tennis, golf, and dancing. There were boating parties on the Royal Lakes, and picnics in the woods. She made many acquaintances, and had quite a waiting list of partners. Sometimes of a morning, but much more frequently of an evening after tennis or boating, Mrs. Krause would drive down to Fair Street. There the shops were on the best European lines, and exhibited all the latest articles from London, Paris, or Berlin, tempting rupees out of people's pockets. Mrs. Krause was a liberal purchaser, whether of European stores, fancy goods, drapery, or jewelry. This generous aunt presented Sophie with a pair of heavy gold bangles, a string of pearls, and an exquisite fan and kimono. These latter were found at an Indian repository owned by a well-known Bengali, with a large clientele. Burmese themselves are too indolent to make successful shopkeepers. They much prefer to look on and laugh and bargain. In this and other emporiums of the same class were to be found rare embroideries, ivory carvings, eggshell china, oriental draperies, jade, and piles of Chinese and Japanese silks of the most exquisite fabric and color. Sophie liked to wander round, to marvel and admire, but soon discovered that to do the latter was to be immediately endowed with her fancy, be it an enormous Chinese jar, or a lacquered cabinet, or a mere silver bowl. Mrs. Krause firmly resisted every denial and excuse. My dear, she would protest, do not refuse me. Mine is the pleasure. I don't know how to spend all my money, and never until now have I had a girl to whom I could offer presents. And to give is such a joy. I am a rich woman, with no belongings except you and yours. Certainly I don't deny that this is a big gong, the present in question. It's rather a 
clumsy affair, but it is old and a beauty. What a deep, rich, melancholy tone! When struck, it seems to tell of some sad, sad story that happened hundreds of years ago. After you are married, dear child, it will be so useful in your hall. On these excursions, there was one little shop that was never neglected or overlooked. This was situated in a narrow slum, a long way from the great artery of traffic and fashion. After negotiating various tortuous windings and encountering horrible gusts of stale nappy and the ever-odorous durian, the car halted at a certain corner, and Mrs. Krause and her companion made their way into a narrow, ill-lit lane, and entered a mean den, kept by a fat, crafty-looking Chinaman, and his lean, pockmarked son. There was, as far as Sophie could discern, nothing whatever to interest or attract upon the premises. The stock was ordinary and scanty, a few coarse china tea-sets, some teapots and cane baskets, paper fans, lacquer trays, and odds and ends of the cheapest rubbish. But Mrs. Krause solemnly assured her niece that it was the only place in Rangoon for the real, guaranteed Natsukis, of which she was making a collection. A Japanese Natsuki is an elaborately carved ivory button of various shapes and sizes, no two are alike. They take the form of men or animals, and as a rule are executed with amazing delicacy, and, if signed and old, are of considerable value. Mrs. Krause, who spoke a little Chinese, and was proud of her accomplishment, appeared to know the fat proprietor rather well, and together they would retire into a dim inner recess, illuminated by an oil lamp hanging before an altar, and there examine, bargain, and gloat over treasures. Meanwhile Sophie, who remained in the outer shop, was offered a seat and tea, without milk or sugar, in what resembled a doll's cup. By her aunt's express desire she always accepted this refreshment, although she found the decoction unspeakably nasty. It seemed to taste of an evil odor. Sometimes Mrs. Krause would linger for fifteen minutes, sometimes for longer, talking over Natsuki's in Hong Kong with Ah Shi. The atmosphere of the place was overpowering, such a stifling reek of mysterious effluvium, the combination of jaw-sticks, stale-fish, rancid oil, and a sickly taint like the fetid breath of some mortal sickness. It made Sophie feel faint, and after a short interval, she invariably made her way into the street, where the air, though by no means fresh, was an improvement on that within the shop. The street was narrow and squalid, and the houses were dilapidated, even for a native quarter. Passers-by had a slinking, stealthy gait, and cast glances of surprise and suspicion at the young lady who lingered outside the premises of Ashi. One evening, as she waited thus, in the warm, damp dusk, Fitzgerald in uniform clattered by. He caught sight of Sophie out of what is called the tail of the eye, and pulled up so suddenly as to throw his horse upon its haunches. "'Miss Lee!' he exclaimed. "'Yes, it is. 
May I ask why you find yourself among the Seven Dials, or Devils, of Rangoon? Oh, Aunt Flora comes to Ashi's shop, hunting for ivories. She is collecting Natsukis. Natsukis, he repeated. Natsukis? Here? Oh, yes, and such good ones, the best in Burma. But it's a horrible place, and as to the odors. She made a gesture expressive of disgust. Yes, by Jove, the Chinese beat all the world in stinks, but I say, Miss Lee, try to persuade your aunt to hunt elsewhere for ivories. This part of the world is unhealthy. I'm not surprised at that. Be advised by me and make this your last visit to this chinky shop. Well, I must be shoving on, and he trotted away. A moment later, Mrs. Krause emerged, and, by the quivering eye of an electric lamp, Sophie noticed that she looked strangely animated, indeed, almost radiant. No doubt she had secured some wonderful prize. "'Who are you talking to, my dear?' she asked. "'Mr. Fitzgerald. He was so surprised to see me, and says we ought not to come here. The place is unhealthy, and indeed, Aunt Flora, I wonder you can stand the reek of Ashi's den for so long without feeling horribly sick.' "'Oh, Mr. Fitzgerald, the police officer?' "'Yes, he is right. It is a low neighborhood, and the air is poisonous. But I've managed to get what I wanted.' She held up a pocket-handkerchief bulging with ivories. "'I won't have to come again for ages and ages.' Meanwhile, Ashi and Son had shuffled off to summon the chauffeur, and the car now appeared round the corner of the street looking like some crouching black monster with round, fiery eyes. Attended by the two obsequious Chinamen, Mrs. Krause and her niece entered the motor and were speedily borne away. For a considerable time the former did not open her lips, but lay back in her corner in an attitude of contented lassitude. They made their way homewards through the teeming bazaar and brilliantly illuminated Fair Street, with its brave show of shops, offering a kaleidoscopic review of jewelry, glittering silver, cut glass, and brasswork, or masses of rich, many-colored stuffs and silks, each shop with a special circle of admirers. It was the hour when offices disgorged their employees, when idlers come to lounge and stare, and between foot-passengers, trams, taxis, and carts, the thoroughfare was almost impassable. During a block Mrs. Krauss suddenly roused from her condition of happy contemplation, and said, as she opened her handkerchief, "'My dear Sophie, I've got such treasures, such finds, real, old Netsuki, signed and so cheap. Do look at this delicious rabbit!' holding out a beautiful model." Is it not too perfect, exquisitely carved, and smooth with age? And the tortoise with the little tiny one on its back! What a darling! And she took it up and kissed it with rapture. It puzzled Sophie to witness this extraordinary enthusiasm, and then to recall the cold fact that, on her return to Heidelberg, her aunt's interest in these ivories seemed to wane and disappear. Was there not a bowl of specimens in the drawing-room already, consigned oblivion and dust? Aunt Flora's character 
exhibited an amazing combination of fantastic caprice and invincible good nature. End of chapter 18